0: Uh, We were doing a show with, um, we were opening for Brooks and Dunn uh, recently, who I love. Like, they're one of the kind of classic country bands that I really love. And I'm really good friends with the drummer. And right before COVID, they needed a guitar player and he tried to get me in the band. And I had a meeting with the band leader, this guy, Jeff King, who's their lead guitar player, who's like Nashville royalty. And we went and had a coffee and talked about music. And it was looking for a minute like I was going to tour with B and D for a little bit. And uh, like the last minute, the the you know the knucklehead who was quitting decided not to quit. So that's my story about that. So fast forward to I'm out with Morgan. She's kind of blowing up. We're opening for B D in these arenas, and all of B and D except the two except for Ronnie Dunn and Kix Brooks. But the whole band are all like stage right watching us. And really, a couple of those knuckleheads are watching me because we're buddies. We have like history. Played a great show. You know, we're doing like a quick 35, 40-minute set. We're opening. Played a great show. And I'm walking off. So I, we're not on wireless or anything. I'm, my guitar is plugged in, you know, to my amp. And we get done. And I did this thing where I took my cable out of my guitar. But I put it in my pocket so I could like put my guitar down. But I forgot to take the cable out of my fucking pocket. So I start walking like down the, you know, it was like this big stage in an arena. I'm like walking down the stairs and I, they're all like pointing like, dude, dude. And I was like pulling the cable all the way across the stage, like out of my amp. It was like the most uncool looking thing ever. All right, welcome to another episode of A to Z with Clint and Katie. This is episode 13, and we're going to be talking about marriage. Marriage. And I'm even going to do a callback to our first couple episodes. We're going to figure some shit out about marriage.
1: I'm excited. And what I am really excited about, Clint, is that we are coming to it from slightly different perspectives. Me being a non-married, hopefully soon-to-be-married human, and you Mm -hmm. being a long-time married
0: human. Well, I feel like I've been married my whole life. I was Mm -hmm. married before my current wife. And when that relationship ended, I hopped right in with my current wife and uh, hopefully here to stay for the long haul. But if she like left me tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think is going to happen, I would probably get married again. Hmm. I, I like it. I like marriage. I like the idea that I've basically had a serious girlfriend since I was 12.
1: Wow. We are the opposite.
0: I know. I never did the uh, take time for yourself thing. I probably should have, well, but it just never happened.
1: I I did the take all the time for yourself thing to the point of being maybe a wee bit emotionally unavailable to men. <laughs> so I think we're both on like opposite ends of the spectrum and that the true spot, sweet spots, probably somewhere in the middle of like, yeah, take some time for yourself, but also be open to life.
0: I wonder if this explains it. And I've not really done a lot of pre-thought about this. So this is I'm coming at you live, Okay, Katie. I'm ready. I wonder if it's because you are an attractive female, which is a nice thing. Thank you. I am a... I'm a four or a five without a guitar. Put a guitar in my hands. Put no you on a mountaintop. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. I'm joking, but I really believe it. I also am witty and funny. But So my four to five status jumps real high if you see me on stage or if you hang out with me. And if you hang out with me after seeing me on stage, we're together, period. Yeah. We're going to be together forever. So, anyway, all that to say, I feel like maybe for you getting flirty attraction attention, which is a nice thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of relationships. In fact, all, most of them. <laughs> well, unless we're talking about the history of marriage, which we're about to find out. But most relationships start with that. Yeah. Now you probably achieve that easier than me. So you're like, when 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 relationships don't work out or they don't pan out, you're like, look, I'm going to be fine. I'm just going to take some time because I'm probably going to be able to find somebody. I wonder if my thing subconsciously when I was a kid and then now as an adult male is like. I don't know how many chances I'm going to get to not be alone. So <laughs> like I just jumped into all of them. <laughs> That's yeah.
1: interesting. I I don't think that I've ever been like I'll never find someone, you know, because I'm not attractive enough or something. That's never been a thing. I think I think unconsciously for me for a lot of years it was if I do if I I have to be perfect at this. I have to do it perfectly. I can't mess up. And also like the unconscious fear of really showing up and being yourself with someone that i was like i'm good i'm good over here with my pals i don't really need to do that now did i consciously know that i was avoiding that
0: no you mean like if they really knew who you were they may not like it they may they may reject you
1: yeah like uh in like a very psychodynamic way it's like if 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 you can't you know like be yourself around the the main people in your life and you kind of grow up being a version of yourself in order to like earn love then as an adult you're like i don't want to do that i'll just on my own where i can be myself and then you have to like relearn like oh there's actually people you can just be yourself around and find one of those people and then i did right Mm -hmm. right
0: yeah that's what i always sort of did too i've been i mean obviously the current relationship in is the most successful one because we're still together we have a child it's the most mature relationship and most fulfilling one i've ever been in but i'd have to say most of my long-term relationships were nice they were with good people and we sincerely liked each other it just didn't work out for various reasons yeah so i guess i got lucky in that department i also kind of have a um a no bullshit let's just get down to it vibe love it i don't don't know how it happened i don't i can't really attribute it to anything and i think that cut away a lot of bullshit and plus just my gratitude Mm. really unending gratitude that any of these women would be naked with me or do sex things with me (laughs) or listen to my music or just be my buddy you know like It's a nice thing to have somebody.
1: Well, I think that is like the key to everything. If you can continue to cultivate gratitude for the other person and focus on the things you're grateful for, that's you're going to feed that as opposed to feeding the I can't believe this person always does X, Y, and Z. How many times are we going to fight about this? It's like it's like lean into the parts that you're you're grateful for because we've all got the stuff that annoys the other person or that disappoints the other person, but we've both also got the stuff that like really feeds each other. It's like it's like look for that every day. So I think yeah. that gratitude you're talking about is awesome.
0: Well, the interesting thing is, I think you know this idea of trying to find a partner that you actually like mm-hmm. uh, is pretty new. Yeah, and I think it has made marriages happier in some ways. But I think it's actually caused a lot of neurosis, too, that I don't think a lot of couples experienced when they were in arranged marriages or when things were set up by their parents, when they were getting married for a lot of different reasons than romantic love. Right, like survival. Yeah, survival, taking care of the farm, trade alliances, you know, like strengthening the family <laughs> blood. We're going to get into all that, but I guess we'll tr- we'll, we'll come back to this idea because... I'm definitely a romantic type. Been married, will probably always be married. I believe in it. I love it. You're someone who is very romantic, also.
1: Mm-hmm. You,
0: you know, aspire to be married,
1: and I'm gonna to be lo- married someday.
0: to your lovely boyfriend. Yes, of course, he's the best. Um, so, do you want to just get into the history of it? I don't want it to read like a textbook, but
1: let's do a little history. Let's 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 hit the high points of the history that that maybe that maybe our awesome listeners are unaware of. Like all I know about the history of marriage is like. You know, you had to like sell your your daughter off to uh, another man to feed her, and also, you know, join the family and keep everybody fed. Great sitch for the women.
0: <laughs> well, it is it, the story of marriage. Really, is the story another thread of a story of women's liberation, which is like nice to see the progression. It's mm-hmm. a bit of a bummer to see how long it went on in such a shitty way. Yeah. But let's just dive in and figure out kind of what's going on with it, and we'll interject our own stuff into it. I also have a bunch of interesting stats about marriage. I'm in.
1: And this is a perfect time because someday in the in the relative future and relative being, I don't know how long, but at some point in my life in the future, I will be married. So this is a great time to learn about this history.
0: I like imagining you because like, you've kind of hammered that point a few times <laughs> so I far. Keep, and I, I keep like talking a- about it? <laughs> I like imagining that that Joe is like in the next room writing or something, and he just he can't hear me, of course. Cause you have headphones, but all he keeps hearing you say is like, "Yeah, totally." And sometime in the very near future, um, it's not definite yet, but it could and should be. Um, I will be married sometime yeah. soon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's not in the other room right now, writing. But 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 that but we but we both do say things like that quite often in a joking right. way. So it, that's very uh, very on point for this household right now.
0: You know, a uh, quick little fun anecdote before I launch into the, this grim history is there was a time in my relationship with my wife where she thought I was going to propose to her. It was um, I was playing a gig with our mutual friend Bob Schneider on New Year's Eve, the Paramount. And she was just, and she was there. She, she was able to go with me and she mm-hmm. was convinced I was going to propose. And well, that didn't happen because I had been planning to propose to her on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Two short months later.
1: Two short, two long months for her.
0: But that night when we got back to uh, the hotel or wherever we were staying, she cried. She was oh. so sad that I didn't propose to her mm. that she cried. And I tell you all these years later, we just celebrated 10 years recently on October 2nd uh i remind her of that i'm like hey there was a time when you were so sad that i didn't ask you to marry you marry me that you cried all night and she's like yeah that was a long time ago so okay so let's get into the history of marriage i learned a lot about this the last few days as i've been researching it and it's pretty interesting so the best evidence suggests marriage is about four thousand years old which is pretty interesting wow. i would in the like 10,000 years of recorded history. I didn't know quite where that would land, but it's about 4,300 years old. Okay. Before that, anthropologists believe that for thousands of years, even before that, families consisted of loosely organized groups of as many as 30 people. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, it was multiple male leaders. The male leaders shared wives. And then of course, they had the children to tend to. But what happened is, we were hunter-gatherers. We were always sort of spread out. So the, the smaller the band, you had enough people where you could kind of group together, pool resources, men could go hunt, women could gather stuff, and look after kids, and you could probably scare away predators. Right. But then as we became kind of more of like an agrarian farming society, we sort of stayed put more. We needed a more firm structure for families. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's really the crux of it. The, the crux of it really is like a, a unit that can sustain a family. So that's kind of the beginning, like, prehistory of it, is once we were roaming, we were in these small little bands, there were not a lot of rules. Once we started planning ourselves down and sticking around for a while, we were like, hey, we should figure this out. Mm -hmm. The first recorded evidence of an actual marriage ceremony between one man and one woman dates around to 2350 BC in Mesopotamia. Wow. And then it says marriage would go on to evolve into a widespread institution embraced by ancient Hebrews, Greeks, and Romans. But back then, it had almost nothing to do with, like, religious ceremony or love. Like, as we talked about earlier, it was all about trade alliances. You know, it was about being able to have people helping on farms. It's like a business arrangement. Kind of, yeah. And then specifically in regards to women, I mean, it was – the purpose of marriage was basically to bind a woman to a man. And to guarantee that the offspring were, would be biologically his. Hmm. Because they're you know, this happens in nature, too. It's like – you have limited resources. Your biological goal is to procreate, mm-hmm. to propagate your genetic information. So, if you're spending your finite resources on genetic a, a child that's not yours or offspring that's not yours, that's kind of a, just a an evolutionary. It's a bad idea, right? Evolutionarily, and in some species, they'll when a when a new male comes into the fold, he'll even kill the children of the previous male. Mm. Yeah.
1: Not a lot of step parents in this world is what you're saying.
0: (laughs) Concurrently also, we're uh, watching uh, the new House of Dragons. There's a lot of this kind of stuff in House of Dragons. You guys been watching House of Dragons? We
1: have not yet, but we probably will. Joe at least will.
0: Did you see Game of Thrones? He
1: saw all of it. I saw a lot of it. And then the end.
0: A lot of it and then the end. Yeah. Okay. I
1: I watched the first few seasons. I had a friend who directed some episodes, so I wanted to be supportive. And then there was a lot of naked people and a lot of torture of male genitalia. And I was like, "Mm, I'm out, y'all. I'm watching this with my eyes closed in my living room. I got to go. But then I watched the end.
0: Yeah. You just named all the best parts, by the way. (laughs) So the bummer about this at this point in time is that... (laughs) Because I've been talking about it in ways of like, yeah, it's for the family and it's for the good of this and that. The bummer Mm. at the time was this is just the way it was and women were basically property, men's property. Mm -hmm. They were owned by their fathers until they were old enough to have sex with people. And the age was probably pretty young. And then they were basically given over to men. And that's Mm. kind of the way it was. There was like an ancient Grecian betrothal ceremony in which the father hands over his daughter and says, I pledge my daughter for the purpose of producing legitimate offspring. How romantic. Mm. It was a way to gain in-laws, make alliances, trade ties, expand the family labor force. Uh, almost all of these were prearranged, sometimes even among bloodlines to keep family alliances strong. So like oh. first and second cousins, which actually I have a quote here about that that I'll read in a second. Is it from,
1: who was it? The, was it Dr. Oz, the politician guy who was like, anything other than first cousins, fine. <laughs> Disclaimer, if I quoted that incorrectly, but he said something about that and it got all like, a big uproar. Anyway, continue.
0: Well, first of all, it's real prevalent in the Bible. Uh, Isaac and Jacob married their cousins. Abraham, famous father Abraham, married his half-sister. The quote I was thinking about was Rutgers anthropologist Robin Fox estimates that a majority of all marriages throughout history were between first and second cousins. Mm. How, does that, how does that strike you? How do you feel about that?
1: I kind of want to drink some Lysol and clean everything out, just make sure everything's good in here.
0: (laughs) A good shower might change all of that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Ancient Hebrews were free to take several wives, and married Greeks and Romans were free to sleep with concubines, prostitutes, teenage male lovers, and basically anything they wanted to do. And if the women couldn't produce offspring, their husbands could give them back to their fathers or marry somebody else. So, not only was it not about romantic love or mutual sexual attraction, it also wasn't monogamous. It wasn't like, well, I found I found a nice lady whose dad's sold her to me for 30 shillings, and uh, we love each other, and we're just going to make a family. The dudes were still doing whatever they wanted. Yeah. The women, of course, couldn't.
1: It feels like pets. Like, oh, hey, I'm going to get a puppy, and then I can get another puppy if I want. And if this other puppy's – the first puppy doesn't behave well, I can give it back, and then I'll get some cats, and then whatever. It's like you just, you're just you like the the leader of the pack, and then all these other things have no – autonomy or ability to make choices.
0: Yeah, it's just straight up property. Yeah. And, right. and it's it's interesting to think about. I mean, I think I mean I'm abhorred by it. Like I read this and I'm literally mortified because I all I ever really wanted in my marriages was a partner, an right. equal partner. Right. Um but I also live in this time. I mm-hmm. live in a time where women work. Women right. are, are economically independent. So if you're if you're just if you're trying to put your headspace here I'm not saying justify it or excuse it, but if you're Mm -hmm. just trying to understand why we did this, if you're looking at it from that point of view, it's like, all right, you don't want to raise kids that aren't yours. I get that. You're the one at more risk if you're the one that's solely economically in charge of feeding an entire household. Right. So the ideas of like whatever, you had to have a division of some kind of labor. Yeah. So like, and I think a woman would say, well, I'm bearing the children. You couldn't do that. You know, that's- Mm -hmm. The risk, the cost, risk between a man and a woman for bearing children is extremely disproportionate. Um, but women weren't really allowed to make arguments for themselves in that way back then.
1: It's so interesting to like think of it like that, and then to picture a man getting down on one knee to propose to a woman, and asking a, a father for, and our parents for like a blessing or a permission or whatever. And permission, not for me, but blessings. Or you know, it's like it's like it's like there has been in some ways like a real reversal of what how you begin a marriage since then.
0: Yeah. And that, that actually came later, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. What really started to turn things around for the woman, and I can't even believe I'm going to say this is religion Mm. because the Roman Catholic church got involved. They became more powerful in Europe. And then, so it sort of evolved into where you needed the blessing of a priest at a ceremony to make the marriage legally recognized.
1: Mm.
0: So, you just start mixing all that in, you throw hundreds of years on that, you know what I mean? And, right. and the, the religion's taking a foothold in Europe. By the 8th century, marriage was a widely accepted sacrament in the church, of the Catholic church. And then in 1563, at the Council of Trent, marriage was written into actual canon law. So part of what happened with all that was monogamy, monogamy became like a guiding principle of Western marriages. Mm-hmm. Men were still permitted to have extramarital affairs until the 19th century, but they could only marry one woman.
1: Yeah, just one wife, multiple women on the side. Yeah, okay.
0: Which is fascinating because, you know, the Bible is, uh, the heroes of the Bible, and, you know, I don't, I'm not a religious person, but I have read the Bible, mm-hmm. which, in my experience, separates me from most religious people. But the yeah. Old Testament is, the, the heroes of the Old Testament are filled with what any kind of normal moral person would describe as a, a degenerate, <laughs> you know, yeah, like- not great david and solomon with thousands of wives and concubines and fucking prostitutes and their family members and raping people and killing men women and children so the catholic church got involved and kind of said listen the catholic church started to like basically say you need to treat women with respect which is cool which is nice you should and they said you you can't divorce they made divorce basically illegal and the way that protected women was a guy could go have sex they're like look have you all your concubines no problem That's what King David did, and he was a nice guy. Uh, But they're like, but you can't leave this woman in destitution who, like, Mm. bore your children. Mm -hmm. So, it really had more to do with, the right thing to do isn't to be monogamous and faithful to your spouse. The right thing to do is, you got to keep supporting them even though you want to go do other things.
1: Yeah, alimony in the form of just staying married forever.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Well, because women had, I mean, women until very recently didn't really have any recourse. Right. Because they didn't have economic independence. Right, right. So, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of women are still stuck on that a little bit, even today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that reaches not that far into the past, where women stayed in shitty marriages and stayed in shitty situations because they hadn't didn't have any options. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So this began to make things a little easier for women, which is kind of nice. Uh, but men were still considered the "quote unquote" head of the household, mm-hmm. which I've always hated that.
1: Yeah. Designation.
0: I, I'm, I'm guessing you do too. I
1: do. I have a I have family members who 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 kind of believe in, in that of of like, well, at the end of the day, the man is still really, you know, you're equals, however the man is related to the house. And I'm here's like, here's the
0: caveat. No,
1: we're we're equal partners that both bring, you know, different strengths to the table. And um I, you know, and like I remember my my dad recently was like, you know, talking about, you know, the future of me getting married and stuff. And and he said something that he said something like, well he he needs to know that you know that I'll be taking care of, and and I was like, Dad, who do you think's been taking care of me for the past ten years? Right. Me. I was <laughs> like, I'm I'm good, I'm good. This is only going to add to the, to the to the plate, which she knows. But it's just so interesting how how people think about things.
0: I agree with all of that, and as a dad, I I want my daughter to be completely independent before she gets married, so that she can truly marry someone that she loves and totally. she's not settling or, mm-hmm. or she's not incentivized by things that are out of her control yeah having said that as i'm thinking about it live on this podcast i would rather her marry someone who had their shit together than a than a deadbeat
1: oh for me. totally
0: like someone with financial security would make me feel better sure than someone who was like a poet that lived you know uh in a beneath a brothel
1: in a van on a corner just following bands around and writing poetry and
0: and yeah. I say that as an artist. I say mm-hmm. that as someone who's at, who's who's had to ask. Well, I didn't ask. I asked my first wife's dad. I played that whole game, and he was very ungracious about it. He he was basically he basically tortured me about it.
1: Like you asked for their blessing. Would you Would you ask for?
0: <sighs> yeah i I basically I asked for the blessing. Yeah, hmm. I basically said, "Hey, you know, I love your daughter." We've been spending a lot of time together, as you know. I mean, we were like spending the night together and shit.
1: Mm-hmm. And how old were you? They knew,
0: they knew that I was twenty one. Okay, I was like, you know, it would mean a lot to us if you agreed that we, you know, we want to get married. And what do you think? It was basically, it was basically a check in. Like, I'm, pa- yeah. it, it was all, it was almost like a symbol of like, look, I'm not asking you, we're gonna do it, right? But I'm
1: including you as r- out of respect.
0: Yeah, we would like for you to be involved in it, and we hope you agree. And we want our families to be. To be tight you know mm-hmm. and he he was an unhappy man in yeah. an unhappy marriage and he it was just an opportunity for him to flex to be powerful or something mm-hmm. and he made it he made it very uncomfortable for me and i was 22 i mean i was a little firecracker but i was 22 i really love this girl yeah it meant a lot it meant a lot to her she yeah. had this whole other deal with her dad that i didn't quite understand but mm-hmm. i kind of did it for her yeah I definitely didn't do it in spite of her, like, I need your father's permission to you know what right. I mean? Like we were already having sex. We were already like I think we might have even already been sharing money. We were just about to move in together. It was like the logical next step. And we were in love. It right. was like we were adults who were in love Right. And we weren't kids and so
1: well, I wish the, it'd second, been cooler.
0: the second time around with my current father in law who I, I love like a dad. I mean, he's he's one of my favorite people and we've been really close this whole time. I called him from Austin because I proposed to my wife uh, at Austin City Limits. And I, I got him and my mother-in-law on the phone, and I basically just told them. I said, hey, I just want to let you guys know, I'm going to ask Isabel to marry me tonight. And I just wanted you to know. And uh, I love you guys, and I I can't wait. And they were like, we love you. We, we've we been hoping for this. Aww. We're so excited. Please call us when you're done. And They've always been very, very cool. And and Isabel and I have had a lot of ups and downs, but they've always been very supportive and like, you know, um gracious that's, with our family.
1: That's really cool. I love that. Way to go. So, Way have, to go so have a good
0: history with that. Yeah, they're they're pretty rad. All right. So we gotta talk about how love does get introduced because nowadays marriage is all about love. I mean, that as far as like the cultures that you and I are most familiar with. Right. It's actually a surprising number of prearranged marriages that still happen to this really? to this day, but not really in the states very much. Yeah, we'll oh, get into that okay. in a second. And well, not only that, but their divorce rates are way lower, like insanely lower.
1: Well, I have a question about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of reasons of why that might yeah. be.
1: Okay. We'll get if, to it.
0: if if divorce is punishable by death, yeah, it's going to be a lower divorce rate. Or
1: also, very collectivist communities may make choices that aren't in the individual's best interest because they're trying exactly. to like be a part of the fam.
0: All right, so most human history, marriages were practical in Mm time spouses. So here's the thing about a lot of prearranged marriages is they may have been practical, but in a lot of those cases, the spouses would kind of grow to like fall in love with each other. And maybe you have some kids together and then maybe that glues you as a family. And so like you can learn to love somebody, you know, if you have to, I think is the idea. And there's a lot of testimony of people that were in prearranged marriages that are like, I love my spouse, you know? Our parents Mm -hmm. got us together. It's not like, I think the idea we conjure in our heads is like evil, evil, like gross dads who just want to exchange their daughter's sexuality for money or something. Right. Whereas in a lot of cases, it was probably like, well, how do we, how do we do all the pragmatic sides of arranging a marriage, but also try to make it so that it's a good fit for our kids so they can be happy? You know I, what I mean?
1: I hear the words you're saying, and I just feel like I'm trapped in a box and I am trying to fight my way out. Like the idea of someone choosing a husband for me, even if they're trying to make the choice good, it's like, no, get me out of there. I gotta escape.
0: Well, it's worth remembering, too, that the boys were also the men were also prearranged. You right. know, they didn't yeah. have a say in it either.
1: It wasn't like the women were paraded in front of the men and the men got to go, that one, please.
0: Yeah, but it was your parents basically saying, look, we, we've we got shit to take care of that are bigger than your individual needs. Yeah. They didn't even have anything to compare it to. It's just what it was. So they're like, look, this is what everybody does. This is what me and your mom did. And we've got we've got like political business to take care of. Mm -hmm. So we got to figure out what you're going to do and how you're going to make a family and what that means for us, what it means for you, what it means for your children, what it means for the society, the village, whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Okay. So romantic love was not a motivating force until the Middle Ages. Scholars believe it was invented by the French, which makes sense to me. 12th century advice literature encouraged men to quote unquote, woo the object of their desire by praising her eyes, hair, and lips. Ooh. The notion of love matches in marriage didn't gain traction until 250 years ago.
1: The idea of love what?
0: Love matches. Like, love we matches. love each other. Okay. We, might, we might be compatible in the ways of love.
1: Got it, got it. Okay.
0: Like, we like each other. We want to have sex with each other. Yeah. And then it says it wasn't until a century ago that mutual attraction was important.
1: Wow. So that's
0: really not very long ago. No. According to a Stanford historian, Marilyn Yalem, the concept of romantic love gave women more leverage. Women no longer existed to serve men, although the notion that the husband, quote-unquote, owned the wife held sway for centuries. When colonists first came to America, the husband's dominance was officially recognized under a legal doctrine called coverture, where the wife's identity was absorbed in his, and the bride gave up her name, symbolizing her loss of identity.
1: Oh, gosh. I hate I hate hearing it like that. That's so. That's, I have such resistance to that. To not to get to changing my name, but to the idea of, like, you must lose your identity now. Yeah. I don't. I don't like it.
0: Well, you literally are giving up your name.
1: I know. It's so weird. It's so weird to think about, even though I'll probably do it.
0: I'm not saying this makes me a hero. I wanted my wife to take my name just Mm -hmm. to make it clean. And that's what everybody does Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. But I gave them both the option. I was like, if you don't want to take my dumb name, it's fine.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know what I mean? I think the new thing that a lot of couples are doing is just the keeping the two names.
1: You mean like hyphenating or just both? Uh, hyphenating have, it. Yeah.
0: That's hyphenating it.
1: My name would be 14 years long. I would never stop yeah. signing my name if I had to hyphenate my name.
0: Well, and then you start to bump up against what's against what's practical about it, you know, and then in terms of your kids and what are you going to name your kids? And
1: Yeah. You just give the guy's name for that. I- I've never – I mean, my parents are divorced, so I've always, I've always lived in families where everyone had different last names. So it's never – I've never had, like, this feeling of, like, well, we all should have the same last name to feel like a unit. Like, that's just never been a factor for me.
0: Why um, do you give the kids the dad's name? Why uh, not yours? History. You know, just – I just feel like the women does way more work.
1: Well, potentially, when it comes to birthing them for sure and raising them, maybe. But uh, I don't know. Just, just that's how it that's how it's been. I don't I don't feel an attachment to like my last name being carried on, versus you know, like I don't that wouldn't be a battle I would fight.
0: Yeah. All right. So, family arranged marriages and alliances gave way to love matches as we transitioned from agricultural to market economies. I talked about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, once people got more independent, because the, the idea was basically like the dad would. The parents would control all that. And you know, you've heard of like dowries and stuff. They would give like inheritances and stuff. So kids needed, uh, who basically either worked and ate off whatever land their parents owned or needed the capital, that whatever capital their parents could scrounge up. Do you think that's why?
1: I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say they depended on that. So when mom and dad are like, look, you're going to marry Sally down the street. She's got good parents. She's healthy. Uh, They have two horses and we only have a goat and you know whatever her uncle has a well and so the kids are like okay i mean cool whatever and the parents are like all right jam now we now we have two horses in a well and they have a goat
1: they get a goat do you think that's why traditionally now the the woman's family pays for the wedding
0: i guess that's what that is that's another weird tradition yeah well isn't it like wait (laughs) i've done this twice the the woman's side pays for the wedding and then the Dad's side pays for like the honeymoon well
1: i don't I don't know about that the wh- my understanding is that the the bride's family pays for the wedding and the groom's family pays for the rehearsal dinner honeymoon I'm unclear about okay I think honey fund aka then the new registry of just money is what pays for the honeymoon
0: right yeah right well that's what we did for our wedding my my to my current wife we eloped mm-hmm. and my my in-laws they gave all their kids a certain amount of money they're like mm-hmm. look we're gonna give all the kids. This exact same chunk of money for their weddings, they can do whatever they want with it, right? And I think we put a down payment on a house That's and smart. bought furniture. We bought, you know, we bought furniture. We were yeah. pretty smart about it. We yeah. went, we went to New York and got married um, with just a couple of people there, and it was nice. We mm-hmm. had a great time.
1: Yeah.
0: So, the modern markets allowed women to have more economic freedom. More, <laughs> I think I meant to write independence, but I it corrected to indolence, which is <laughs> not what I meant. And less beholden to their husbands, which is good. I mean, I don't want my wife beholden to me. No, I want her to be with me out of a free choice because she loves me. Now, there have been there are ways that marriage slows down a like. I'm mad at you. I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like road bumps to like. Well, it's a pain in the ass to get a divorce. It's going to destroy some of our family unit ties. Sure. Maybe maybe I'll sleep on it and figure out a way to make this work before. I leave and take my daughter with me and we have to work out like custody battles. You know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah. Like,
0: and this kind of leads into the state getting involved with it. So the state's looking at all this stuff and it's like, all right, cool. There's like, you guys want to be together. You want to protect your land. You want to form these alliances. Cool. We need to just figure all this out basically so they can control it. So the state got involved with the clandestine marriage act of 1753, which is a, charming title yeah it required couples to get married in a church by a minister and couples had to issue a formal marriage announcement to obtain a license
1: oh is this like the putting it in the newspaper like yeah like emily luann yep. so-and-so's marrying charles
0: mm-hmm.
1: mark something or other.
0: <laughs> betty sue's marrying charles because they have two goats <laughs> now betty sue has two goats Uh, The Marriage Act of 1836 allowed for non-religious civil marriages to be held in registry offices. And that's when the state also started keeping national statistics for marriage. So they could study it, report Mm -hmm. on it, figure Mm -hmm. out what's going on, study families, study happiness, and all that stuff.
1: That's interesting. I like that.
0: So I talked about women's rights, which is a big part of this. And it's just a shame how long this all took. So in 1920, women famously won the right to vote, which is what kind of started to transform... Women's lives in general, but marriage being a part of that.
1: That's not that long ago.
0: No. Well, check this out. By the late 60s, laws forbidding interracial marriage were thrown out. By the 70s, laws recognized the concept of marital rape. So until the 70s, the idea that like women were just property, Mm -hmm. sexual property, um, and otherwise, you know, in a normal marriage, both parties would like to have sex with each other. Yeah. Or maybe there's some times where, my wife would like to have sex because maybe we're trying to make a baby and maybe uh, I have a tummy ache or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're still, but but you know, her needs in that situation subsume my own. We're, that's a marriage. That's a negotiation. But right? it's a
1: choice. You're making a no choice. No one's ever,
0: exactly. No one, it's a choice. If, if, if a partner in a normal marriage and a happy, healthy, normal marriage does not want to have sex, you don't have sex, period. Mm-hmm. So until the 70s, there were no laws to protect women because men would just basically rape their wives if their oh. wives didn't want to have sex with them. Or let's say they knew their husbands were out with prostitutes and they didn't want to get infected with a disease.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, so maybe they love their husbands. Maybe they understand the whole dynamic, but they're like, look, I don't want to get a disease that might hurt me or hurt my children. Mm-hmm. Husband can rape them without any recourse, right? That was in the seventies.
1: That's and, only a few years before I was born into this earth.
0: And I will say in my dalliances in the Christian world, and I'm not saying that this is all like this, but I definitely knew some dudes in my evangelical Christian days who thought that that was okay. Who thought that that was like with the God? You know, God made you the head of the household. God made you the leader. Blah blah blah. It's Mm -hmm. a woman's duty to sexually fulfill her husband's every whim.
1: That's a hard pass for me, bro. I'm out.
0: Um, Well, I think that's just fucking barbaric and lame Mm -hmm. and dumb, Mm -hmm. an excuse to try to dominate and hurt women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So women weren't. This is other stuff too. Women weren't even allowed to open credit cards in their own names.
1: Mm-hmm. I knew that they didn't
0: have they didn't have the right to distribute community property, and if a wife was injured or killed, a man could sue the responsible party for depriving him quote unquote services around the home, <laughs> which is a benefit that women did not receive if their husband died. Wow, so all of this to say is that within the last sixty years, marriage has changed more than in the last five thousand years
1: well, good for us. <laughs> Good for us and like, you know, supercharging that that change for the better.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of progress has happened since the Enlightenment, like yeah. a lot of social progress. and But even that moves slow because the 70s were not that long ago. I was I born in 1983.
1: I know. I was born around then as well.
0: Which, speaking of that, so gay marriage, we'll talk briefly about gay marriage, mm-hmm. which has kind of come into its own the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. A really big part of that being paved, the way paved for that was this idea that that marriage isn't about gender roles and it's not about Mm -hmm. pragmatic shit like land ownership. It's about mutual sexual attraction and it's about love. Mm -hmm. And so women getting liberated from that, I think, was one of the things that opened. I mean, there's so many things the gay community bravely did Mm -hmm. to get to where we are now. I'm not knocking that at all. But I'm just saying, part of it was the evolution of marriage in general. Ma- marriage has sort of changed,
1: and it's also like it's just so fascinating to think about, like you know the the you know religious folk saying, "Well, mar- marriage is between a, a man and a woman. And it's you know it's a religious you know union and blah blah blah." And then hearing this and going, "Actually, marriage came before you guys getting involved," you know, yeah, religion like,
0: sort of co opted it, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's like which just,
0: they which they did that with a lot of stuff,
1: yeah. So, you know the way.
0: golden rule for example predates religion.
1: Hmm. I didn't know that.
0: And even gay marriage, so it's rare in history because I think it was so taboo. I don't I don't think it occurred rarely. I think it was rarely recorded. I think it was mostly kept pretty hush-hush. But the gay marriage, uh, the Roman emperor Nero, who ruled from AD 54 to 68, was married twice to men. Oh. In formal public weddings and he forced the imperial court to treat his uh, husbands as wives. Wow. Which I'm like, well, does that mean they didn't have any rights? Or anything?
1: <laughs> you can marry me, but you're going to have to give up your manly rights and be downgraded exactly. to woman.
0: They're like, yeah, I don't know if I want that deal. <laughs> that doesn't um, sound great. It was outlawed in th- year 342. Um, gay marriage? But until, but, yeah. Mm, but okay. like, not gay. People were having all kinds of gay sex and stuff. But yeah, like right. the marriage part of it, um, it being sort of legally recognized that it was pretty common until then from like from Nero to 342, 250 years, it was pretty common. So thankfully now a lot of that's, I I think the gay marriage issue. Well, um, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen in the current political climate, mm -hmm. but I think the, the tide of like what the people want, I think people are over over it.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's yeah, for sure. And I remember, I think I've told you the story on this podcast before, but when gay marriage Became legal. I was in Los Angeles, and I just had this. Yeah. I was walking around. And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, everyone is so happy!" And I know LA is different than different parts of the country, but it was just so palpably like people were were joyful. And I was like, "This is where I want to be. I love this feeling. I love that people are happy about this. It was great."
0: We got married on October second, twenty twelve, in New York City. And we had to go to a courthouse to get our license, <clears throat> and it was filled with gay couples. Because that, oh. that, that was about that time that it got legalized in New York as well, so.
1: I love it.
0: And we, you know, we we have some dear friends that are gay and fought hard for the right to do that, and mm-hmm. used to march in the parades in Nashville and take Nova, and it's a big part of the ethos of my family, too, mm-hmm. and it's it's nice that that, I mean, uh, th- that just opened doors to all sorts of other issues that we need to normalize, but. Mm-hmm. It does feel like like I have a pro-gay tattoo and people ask me about it sometimes. And I'm like, you know, when I got this like 12 years ago, it was kind of a different world. And mm-hmm. like, we've really just come a long way in, in mm-hmm. the 10 to 12 years since I was like, since Doma, you know? Yeah. Now, what happens from here on? Who knows? I mean, the, I remember reading a quote once. It was like, the biggest philosophical conversation in 500 years might be whether or not the earth's round. <laughs> and that scared me because I'm like, oh, there's you, people are already... Flat earthers are already out there right now, you know? Shaquille O'Neal's one of them. No. He came out the other day and was like, You can't prove the earth's not flat. And I'm like, no, not you, Shaquille O'Neal. You're like one of the best basketball players of all time. Don't be a flat earther, bro.
1: What?
0: Yeah, I know. I know. It sucks. Shaquille. I know. Hey, he's he's out there with you. He's out in LA. I don't know what's going on out there.
1: I can't even fathom the flat earth thing. I don't get it. I don't get it.
0: Um, all right. We have to talk about divorce. We're going to talk about marriage. You got to talk about divorce. I myself have been divorced. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. But divorce is part of the idea of the independence of like marriage being about love matching. Yeah. And I think that what comes with people being able to make these decisions and having economic freedom to not be stuck is sometimes people break up. Mm -hmm. And marriage I've always kind of seen as like a big breakup.
1: Mhm, the biggest.
0: Because there are families involved, sometimes there are kids involved, you're you got to divide your assets, your money. It's just a big mess. And I I like the idea of it because it I like the idea of it being a roadblock that keeps you from making that big decision. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Well, I I would not get married if um divorce was like illegal or something.
0: Yeah, totally. You know.
1: And and I but I don't and I don't even think that that's unromantic. It's like I I like every, you know, someday when Joe and I get married, every year we're married is because we are choosing to continue to be married. You know. Yeah. It's not because, well, there's no going back now. It's like, you know, it may be hard to get out, but what you could and we'll yeah. choose not to. And I, I like the freedom of that and I like the freedom of choice and the intention moving forward, you know? My parents are divorced, and now I've that the divorce world in my in my background for sure. And it's like they're better off divorced, and I'm so glad they did because they found, you know, I have two great families now that I wouldn't have had. But um, oh,
0: for sure, you know, my parents, same deal. My mm-hmm. parents are divorced, and I'm like, man, if my mom had to get out of there. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. My my first wife, when we were, when I was realizing, hey, this relationship is not healthy or happy for us. Mm-hmm. Like we need to, we need to think about splitting up, and all we had was a house. We didn't have any kids or anything. Mm-hmm. But her parents, who were in a horrible, loveless, stale, dead marriage we're still together. Mm -hmm. So her model was, well, yeah, my parents hate each other. Maybe we even hate each other, but why would we get divorced? Mm. Whereas my model was, oh, there's an end to suffering in a relationship. Right. Like you don't have to suffer.
1: Right. Forever.
0: Like there's no virtue in suffering needlessly. So for me, it was like, and having said like, oh, it's a good road bump and it kind of keeps you from doing blah, blah, ultimately it's pretty easy to do if you really want it. It's not. You know what I mean? You just have to go through a bunch of legal stuff and it's kind of painful Mm -hmm. and it can get drawn out and it can be expensive, Mm -hmm. but all very doable, especially if you have the resources to do it and if you have family members who will help you. Yeah. But before 1858 class, divorce was pretty rare. Hmm. In 1670, an act was passed allowing like some rich shithead lord to get divorced on grounds of his wife's adultery, which is what marked the beginning of the quote unquote modern divorce. So... Until the 1800s, divorces required an act of parliament, and there were just like a couple of hundred a year. In 1858, it became a legal process, but was expensive and unfair to women, because hmm. women could only do it if they could like prove <laughs> that their husbands were cruel, or deserted them, or raped them, or just imagine all the reasons you would want to get away from somebody. Right. And it would usually end up being, he said, she said, and you can guess whose word tended to be believed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, it was kind of part of culture, but still rare. I think women would probably see it as a very difficult way out.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: Unless they had resources or a lot of help.
1: Which they probably didn't.
0: No, of course not. Yeah. And so, it didn't actually become easy to do until 1969. Wow. With the Divorce Reform Act, which allowed couples to cite marital breakdown as the reason for splitting.
1: Irreconcilable differences. Mm.
0: Exactly. So, the emphasis of marriage shifted from... Like long term, like life commitment, other, you know, death do us part, et cetera, at all costs to personal relationships. It it shifted from that to individual fulfillment, which I think has been better for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think so too.
0: So that's kind of the brief. I mean, we could talk for a long time about this, but.
1: Yeah, I would never have uh, thought about marriage going back as far as it really does. And I'm definitely grateful to live in a time when, A, I'm not required to get married to survive and can get married for love and companionship uh, and happiness um, and also have the freedom, you know, to to make a different choice with my partner in the future, even though we won't, but we could and have that. Like, I just like having the freedom. Like, I'm so grateful to not be someone's property As a man who's been married for 10 years, happy anniversary, by the way.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: What is your favorite thing about being married?
0: Man, I think I, not to to bag out of that question, I think I have a lot, you know? There's a lot of Mm -hmm. different things that I really love about it. I mean, I I love that I have a partner that really knows me and still Mm -hmm. wants to be with me because I'm a lot. I'm a lot to deal with. I think I bring a lot to the table. Because I think she would say the same thing. We each have our things that we put up with. And it's just nice to be done with the dating and the the hiding and the the scheming that goes along with that. Like, I feel like so much of dating is like half, I really want you to know who I am. So, you really know what you're getting into. And I really want to know who you are, really. But you're also kind of doing a little bit of a dance.
1: you putting your best foot forward. And, well, yeah. of course.
0: Because you're trying to convince someone to partner with you. Right. And then once you form a partnership over time things get revealed. And that's, to me, that just seems really normal. Mm -hmm. And you either survive it or you don't. And I think we've had growing pains in some areas with that. And we've definitely survived other parts of it. So I love that. We still make each other laugh. And you know Mm. we made a kid that we both just really cherish and Mm -hmm. adore. And Mm -hmm. I don't think we've ever been in a situation where it was like, we only stayed together for our kid. Mm-hmm. But having her definitely has glued us together because when we yeah. couldn't find our own common ground or even find a rhythm together, mm-hmm. we were able to kind of focus on her and it it generated it generated glue that we needed.
1: Mm-hmm. And it wasn't
0: an excuse and it wasn't um it wasn't a cop out. It really generated n- love yeah. and um uh, it it generated energy that we did not have. Yeah. In certain times.
1: Yeah. I think that's really beautiful.
0: I've always liked the partnership of it. Like, I like mm-hmm. the, um, every, every serious relationship I've been in, my, my girlfriend or wife has had a stable job. I've always liked mm-hmm. that they've been independent.
1: Mm-hmm. I've,
0: I like them bringing money into the house. Mm-hmm. I guess that's pretty much those are the hallmarks.
1: I really like, as a non married person who's now cohabitating with my boyfriend for a mm-hmm. few years, I really love, the fact that the love keeps getting better you know like the the early days uh, I and listen we're two and a half years into a relationship we're still pretty early but the early early days of like the endorphins and the falling in love and the this is so exciting and you're sort of like have googly eyes like that's like the least fun love you know i always kind of thought like well that's gonna like that's gonna be like a high and then it'll settle into something and it's like it settles into something but then it gets deeper and deeper and i wouldn't trade this for the googly-eyed endorphins in the beginning for anything like i i will miss those times and it's like oh that was fun but this is like so much more magical and uh and i look forward to feeling it out you know as as it gets deeper
0: that totally resonates with our experience I mean that part mm-hmm. is fun and you really do a lot of living off that time in lean times mm-hmm. you live off of that because you don't have the like muscle of longevity now we have this like longevity muscle and we've survived mm-hmm. so much that when we, when it's like lean times mm-hmm. we're not living off 10 or 12 or 13 years ago it's just yeah. gone it's that time is gone mm-hmm. we're living off the strength of knowing what we've been through hmm and that's its mm-hmm. own that's its own power and its own sauce mm-hmm. that I that I love. I mean we we talk about it. We're like, man, we're in such a cool spot. I mean, Nova's eight, which means we've got about ten years left with her,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and just time accelerates the order we're getting. So it's like, well, that's going to be a blip, and then we're like, wow, what's the next thing going to be like? Like, you know, we we do, I've talked about this before. We're like, life is so busy at this stage for us, and like raising Nova and stuff that like we will come up for air occasionally.
1: And Mm -hmm. it's like, hey,
0: I still like you. Do you still like me? Yeah, I still like you. You sure you still like me? I do. You want to keep doing this? Yeah. And then we got to kind of almost put our heads back down to get to work in a way, you know? Yeah. And you make time to go on dates and check in, but you go through these revolutions where it's like you get to know each other again. Yeah. We did a thing called, uh, what was it called? It was called like 30 Conversations, where every night you just ask each other questions. Because enough Mm. time goes by and you take for granted knowing the inner life of your spouse. Right. And we had just been through so many ups and downs and I've been traveling so much and the years just stack up. And then the first few years of having Nova, we didn't sleep at all. And you you come out of that five years later and you're like, oh yeah, who are you? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of music deal? You, you know what I mean? It's just like, what do, what have you been reading? I mean, it, you can li- you can sleep next to someone in a bed for years and still be like, not know what they're reading or something. You know what I mean?
1: It would be so fun. I think it sounds so fun to continue to get to know someone, to yeah. choose to continue to get to know that, to make that effort. You know, like, Joe always says, like, we're never going to stop dating. Right. And it is really interesting. Like, we can be in sweatpants on the couch and then we'll go on a date and we'll both put on nice clothes. And it does kind of, like, that effort. They're like, oh, we're just going to – we're going to put – we're going to – like, we went to a wedding this weekend and we had on a pretty dress and he had on a suit. And I was like, my God, he's so hot. Like, we're having so much fun. It's the same dude that, that like, we're, like, in sweatpants eating, you know, home state watching football. But it's just the, you know – the, like making the effort to like show up for the other person it's really fun
0: yeah totally yeah. well I was gonna do divorce stats but let's just skip that because right. that's not fun
1: <laughs> okay we'll do we'll do, a, we'll do another sad episode uh, next time we hit D and divorce and uh, we'll skip it so just I do kidding. have We're not some gonna in, do an episode on d I have
0: some interesting types of marriages you might that, that are uncommon you might not have heard of okay okay tell some me. of these are pretty far out well so you've heard of polygamous marriages right multiple spouses yes. all mm-hmm. right we know about that. Open marriages we know about, right, where Mm -hmm. you say to your partner, look, I'm not going to go marry someone else. I'm not going to divide our resources. I don't even want to split up our family, but I would like to have sex with other people. And you know what? You can too. Mm -hmm. Um, I know people who have either been doing that or who are currently doing that. Mm -hmm. I've not seen it work. Um, It eventually is a pretty hard crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Um, Our therapist, Sonia, used to tell us it was just like a very, she described it as like a very um, high level level of intimacy. And she's like it mostly crashes and burns because people actually aren't emotionally mature enough to handle it. And I would put myself in that category. Yeah. Um you have to have a lot of rules and you have to play by those rules and you have to um have a lot of trust. You, you the dynamics of what you are being asked to do on both sides of an open relationship require a lot of um I don't know, either com- either you're completely oblivious or you're a lot smarter than me. I think yeah. for most people, it's too much.
1: I wouldn't be able to do
0: it. Okay, avunculate marriages, which Detail. is where you marry where you marry people in your family. No, which thank Is a you. common practice in royal families in Europe, meant to preserve family blood. Leveret marriages, where a widow marries her dead husband's brother, to ensure she stays in the family. Wow. Yeah. There's even posthumous marriage, where one of the partners is deceased. But.
1: I'm sorry. Okay. It could, marriage? Be the,
0: it could be the widow marrying her dead fiance or a widower marrying his dead fiance. It's a legal practice in France, Sudan, and in China. It originated in the 1950s when a dam broke, killing 400 people in France. In the list of the dead was a man named Andre Capra, who was engaged to Irene Jodard before her, his death. The latter requested the French president to allow her to proceed with her marriage. And within months she was allowed to marry her dead fiance. It became legal to marry a deceased to be husband or to be wife in France by Article 171.
1: Is that for assets like we were going to get married he I died. Think so. Okay, yeah. this is a a lifetime movie because what if you got engaged and then the, your your fiance mysteriously passed mm-hmm. and then you married them but you didn't have to live for 20 years with them. That's a lifetime movie. Anyone, if anyone's (laughs) out there listening who writes lifetime movies,
0: you're welcome. What's it called? What would it be called?
1: Um, mm, the final fiance.
0: Oh, that's really good.
1: Yeah, I'll be here all week, y'all. Just call me.
0: I I want to. Yeah, I I was either thinking you could call it "I Married a Dead Guy," or I would like to write a lifetime movie Mm -hmm. called Lifetime Movie. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And it would be like a horror movie about like lizard people in the sewers, but it'd be called Lifetime Movie. Wouldn't that be great?
1: That's pretty good. Okay,
0: a few other weird marriages. Common law marriage we've heard of, right? Couple considers themselves married, kind of with respect to the legal framework of the state, but it does not count as a registered civil marriage. Isn't that if
1: you like live together for seven years or something, then
0: you're like... Yeah, well, because the state has to make sense of your rights as parents to your children and it has to make sense of your rights to your shared assets. Mm -hmm. I actually have a friend that was dealing with this. She's been with this guy for like 16 years. They have a house together. She has like a 401k. He decided to split, but because they're not legally married, there's all this, you know, it's gets a lot harder to separate their assets equally because if you're married, the, the state, unless you have a prenuptial agreement, the state goes, everything gets split 50, 50, like, right. When I got divorced, the, I almost said the first time. The only time I've been divorced, my wife was like, "I was leaving her. I was. I thought we were both unhappy, and we'd grown into a place where I didn't see a future for our marriage. So mm-hmm. I basically initiated the divorce. She was bummed. She was. She very much did not want to divorce me. She didn't like me very much, but she did not the, want to divorce me.
1: Throwing your stuff off the porch story.
0: Yeah. So she basically wouldn't let me have anything, and then she put all my stuff on the porch and we were trying to get divorced without lawyers because we were in our early 20s didn't have a lot of money and it was arduous and expensive and painful and eventually we just had to get lawyers involved because it just got so gnarly but she kind of had me believing that because i was leaving that i was only entitled to like my my gear my guitars and like some books hmm. and our lawyer was like you go get 50 percent of everything in the house like that means the plates the forks the mm-hmm. bed sheets because the state all this the state really cares about is getting both people back to like functioning members of society. Right. So it's like, I bought all that shit with her or all of those plates were wedding gifts. Those right. all, those belong to me as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's 50, right. 50, you know, but if you don't have marriage kind of just puts a lot of those things in place to where you can, you're not treated as a legal stranger to, but let's say, I mean, let's just say your in law's, you're really close with, even though you're getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And let's say that your spouse you're divorcing doesn't even speak to her parents mm-hmm. or his parents, but they're like second parents to you. And one of them gets terminally sick you you have no recourse to visit them to make decisions about their medical care because you're technically a legal stranger, mm-hmm. unless you have the state put these brackets of right. That's kind of the practicality of some of this stuff. That's the ancient stupid shit goes, but. A lot of the the stuff that the state affords you in terms of access to rights makes a lot of sense. That's why it was so important for our gay friends to get married, right? Because totally. there were like a thousand federal laws and three hundred state laws that dealt with things like family assets, taxes mm-hmm. that our gay friends weren't
1: mm-hmm, like, didn't have so.
0: access to. Yeah, yeah. And what for? Because of some outdated ideas about who should be. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. didn't make any sense. So yeah. all of those same benefits if they fought and still fight for we get Mm -hmm. that's why it's important to think about it you know Mm -hmm. even though marriage is on the decline all right lastly the arranged marriages because i thought this was interesting so approximately 25 million arranged marriages happen every year wow arranged marriages have a much lower divorce rate six percent contrasted with the u.s divorce rate which is 40 to 50 percent, almost half of all marriages in the u.s in a divorce okay which is a very kind of a bleak stat but in India, it's estimated that 90% of marriages are arranged and they have a divorce rate of 1%. Hmm. So here's some, I'm just going to throw some quick stats at you about arranged marriages. 55% okay. of marriages that happen across the world are arranged. So more than half of the marriages in the world are arranged. In, but this is because many people live in China and in India. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, in India, the rate of arranged marriage is 90%. In some countries, the man or the woman can reject the chosen spouse 6.3% of the divorce rate of arranged marriages globally. The man is typically four and a half years older than the woman in an arranged marriage. Okay. 26% of the girls are 15 years and below in Niger, and they're involved. Let's see. Okay, so that's just in Niger.
1: I'm not okay with that.
0: In Hell no. Fuck that. Mm-mm. In South Asia, 48% of the girls who are involved in arranged marriage are below 18 years of age. mm In 2012, 74% of respondents in a survey conducted in India approved of arranged marriage and prefer it over freely chosen marriage.
1: Wow. That's interesting.
0: Up to 80% of marriages in Afghanistan are forced. 86% of Indian population in the U.S. are still marrying someone they've met in the community. In the developing world, one out of nine girls are married before they reach the age of 15. No. No. And every year, 14 million girls get married before they turn 18.
1: All this like teenage marriage stuff doesn't feel like, it. that feels like property again. Like that just doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. Like if you're, you need to be in, a, you need to be old enough to to, to choose for yourself. But what would adult. you say
0: to a 16 year old who was choosing to get married?
1: In my home, I'd be like, nope.
0: <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's not really about choice, is it? It's really more about, I mean, I wouldn't. See, we start to just get into some of the language of this stuff, because if Nova came to me when she's 16 and said, I'm going to marry Tommy because he's got a cool motorcycle, mm-hmm. I would literally say no.
1: <laughs> I would yeah.
0: forbid her to do it.
1: Well, she couldn't in America without your permission because she's still a minor.
0: Right, which is kind of a way of owning her.
1: Well, it's protecting the your child until they are of, you know predetermined legal age to make these decisions yeah,
0: yeah i'm all about it i mean i'm yeah. I, I don't know how i would write it on paper but the 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 the, the real shit would be no you're not marrying <laughs> tommy with a motorcycle
1: yeah yeah really not gonna do that
0: nova not so gonna go. future of marriage let's just bring all this to a blistering conclusion here okay <laughs> like what does it all mean all right so a lot of people mostly young adults obviously mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are less likely uh, to see marriage as an integral component for a happy and fulfilling life, which mm-hmm. that makes sense. That tracks. I mean, people are getting married a lot later. Mm-hmm. Me, people are waiting to have children later because mm-hmm. people, women have economic freedom. Women have freedom, mm-hmm. w- and women have sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. So, and the taboos around all of that are just kind of disappearing. So, you can have sex without being married. You can cohabitate without being married. Mm-hmm. You can even have start families without being married. Yep. So the sort of societal and cultural force of it as an important institution doesn't make sense anymore. Other than some of the things we've talked about in terms of access to rights, I think it's romantic. There's something kind of nice about tradition. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I asked you why you would give your offspring the man's name, you kind of appealed to the tradition of it, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of couples are remaining single or cohabitating due to high – I thought this was interesting. So another deterrent for marriage, also high debt, unstable jobs, other financial challenges. So people
1: are not getting married because of that?
0: Well, I think people are saying, well, I I don't want to get married and start a family if I'm like $100,000 in debt. It just right. doesn't seem responsible. Right, right, or right. Or someone's going, well, if I want to spend my – 20s and 30s developing a career Mm -hmm. i don't want to have kids that i never see
1: right yeah
0: and people are worried about losing their jobs so they're like well if i'm going to bring a kid into the world or i'm going to get married and have a spouse that i that might depend on me financially but i don't know what my my job's not secure
1: right well yeah i mean also i i think that there's a, a like a line in there somewhere though like if you want to have children you can't wait for the perfect moment when everything is aligned and your job is perfect in order to do that. Like you've got to like, you know, that time will pass, like your window for for having a family and growing a family will pass. Like you've got to, you've got to take some chances in there, you know.
0: You definitely have to get the ball rolling if it's something you really want.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think it'll ever be, I mean, as someone who's gotten married and had a kid and when we got pregnant, it was very scary because I didn't know how we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then we did it and it's been great. I definitely ascribe to that. I do think it can be better times than others to to do it.
1: Sure, sure,
0: totally. But that's obviously going to depend on the individual and their their circumstances, their job, their family. Mm -hmm. I do think for a lot of people, especially if you have a partner that you trust and love, you can kind of figure anything out. Yeah. You know what? That's actually my favorite thing about marriage Hmm. is that I really feel like whatever happens, me and my wife can figure it out.
1: I love that. In a dream world, what is, in the dream world, what is the, how does this conversation go between Nova's future partner when that partner comes to you and says, hey, Nova's my guy? I mean,
0: is it Tommy with the motorcycle? You tell me. You tell me. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, Jesus, that's coming for me before I know it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I hope Nova waits until she's at least in her 30s. Mm Mm-hmm. I obviously can't control that because I'm not one of these medieval shitheads. Right. Um, I mean, my big thing with Nova is just to instill in her enough confidence and self love to where she can make good decisions about that without me. Right. Let's say it's a good guy. Uh, we don't even have to pretend that me and him are best buddies, but let's say it's a guy that I feel good about. Mm-hmm. I think what I would want to say to him, like I'm kind of thinking about, well, what did I want all these people to say to me? It was like, you know, I trust my daughter. If she loves you, you're going to be part of the family. If you guys ever need help, you can come. Like, I would just want to make sure I was accessible Mm -hmm. to them to help them if they need help. Yeah. The idea of just her off somewhere struggling, like, fills me with dread. Right. And I'm not even talking about like, oh, she's got a crappy job while she's paying for college and she needs to figure all that out. I want her to experience all that. That's what I did. You know, I think that was huge for me. But the thought Mm -hmm. of her truly suffering, needing something and not being able to have it. Mm -hmm. Scares me, and I would want her to be with someone that could help. That without trying to sound like one of those guys, like someone that could help take care of her. I mean, there are ways that I take care of my wife. Yeah, there are ways that she takes care of me. Mm -hmm. I don't think we need to get to a place with semantics and bullshit about gender crap where we can't say, like, yeah, part of being in a relationship is supporting each other and helping each other Mm -hmm. and providing, providing things that you don't have. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, like Mm -hmm. there's a deficit in my life that she provides. I think that's okay. You know,
1: yeah. I think that's cool. I think it's beautiful,
0: so for you in a perfect perfect dream world, how soon are you getting married
1: <laughs> yesterday is <Was> yesterday <laughs> a time I can choose uh in it's actually married or engaged? that's a different question,
0: oh, yeah, I guess that's I guess that's a big deal when you're in that stage, right? because engagement means like, well, this is gonna happen there's a commitment, yeah, so it could be a year or it could be six months. So the engagement's actually pretty important, right?
1: yeah, well, I think of. Uh, an not engage- like a six-year engagement. It, no, oh gosh, no. No, an engagement is just like a public intention. Like between yeah. the two of us, it's been said and it's been right. not only talked about, which it's been talked about, but like it's it's official. And then it's something you can share with the people that you love, which makes it right. more official. Yeah. And like once you do that, you're you're in it. You know. Like I mean, you of course could always get out, but but for me, once we say it to our family and our friends, you know, there's no there's not much more internal debate that needs to be happening. You know.
0: Well, I'm um, going to keep asking you a few questions about this because if yeah. Joe listens, this is going to be a nice roadmap for him. Yeah. So <laughs> let's say you get engaged like soon, like tomorrow. Sure. What's your dream timeline for actual wedding mm-hmm. and dream wedding scenario?
1: Oh, interesting question. The timeline would be within a year on a time that works for us that w- wherever we decide to do it or however, you know, like I, I don't have a, not more than a year, like let's go chop chop we're, we're 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 we're. you know um yep and i also think like neither of us would want to sit around it. like we've been living together for you know a year and a half now it's like right you know and then what was the second question what would the dream wedding be
0: yeah i mean you don't have to give uh you know details you, don't you don't want don't want to pull out my
1: planner and no i'm just kidding um do you I, already have one for real no i don't i would joe and i talk about this a lot there's i don't know what too many specifics except that we want it to be really easy for people yeah. to celebrate us and our love, right. and and we want friends and family and loved ones there. Not a lot of them, you know, not not hundreds and hundreds, but but the people that are important to us, and really make it make it incredibly fun and celebratory and, and easy for everyone to celebrate. Um,
0: would it be in Los Angeles?
1: I think Joe would like it to be in Los Angeles. I might need it to be a tiny bit farther away than LA, but not too much farther.
0: So Fresno,
1: Fresno, uh, Bakersfield. Uh, yeah, you
0: can get married at the Buck Owens Crystal Palace. We could,
1: we could uh, do just Riverside, maybe.
0: So when you say further away, you don't mean Texas. You mean like Malibu or something? Yeah,
1: like I, I think we would probably have a party in Texas of some sort, but um, somewhere in California or you know Nevada or somewhere somewhere out here, somewhere drivable.
0: Well, as long as I can come and I can sing a Brooks and Dunn song, um, that's
1: <laughs> what would the Brooks all... and Dunn song be? <laughs>
0: neon moon or something
1: yeah neon moon brand new man wouldn't really be fitting what are some other brooks and dunn songs you could sing
0: oh gosh i don't know
1: uh maria that's weird because my name's not maria but you could sing uh you <laughs> could
0: so I just sing. change it to katie
1: katie um yeah you're you're for sure you're for sure invited Duh. well I'll we're making singing. the trip
0: it, i love it when it ha i almost said if but of course when it happens when it happens we're gonna make the trip and yes, Nova can be the flower girl. And yes, I will be the ring bearer. Of course. Oh, great. Thank you for asking.
1: A to Z with Clint and Katie is recorded in Los Angeles, California and Nashville, Tennessee and is produced by Clint Wells. Consider joining us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month for access to exclusive content. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Katie and Clint or send us an email to a to Z Clint and Katie at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.